Hello and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and helping you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. As always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. You can join us on all our social media. We're available on Facebook at Pastor Neal's Zero Network. Go there. Like the page, listen to archive shows, follow us there. Also available on Twitter, at Zero Radio is the show handle. At Lorenzo T. Neal is my personal handle. So we welcome you to engage us in all of that. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today is a wonderful day to be alive. Today is a wonderful day to celebrate you because you are worth celebrating. Your life is worth it all. So thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you so much. Today is Juneteenth. Today we observe the day that the last persons held in slavery in these United States were recognized their freedom. And we observe that today. Uh, you know the narrative there in Texas areas, Galveston and all those areas. There were a lot of people who had not realized that the Emancipation Proclamation had been issued and many slaves had been free and they were still functioning in captivity. They were still functioning in slavery until that announcement came to them on this day uh, so many years ago. Um, and I was looking around and as, as I went through my uh, timelines and Instagram stuff, and I saw a lot of uh, free-ish, <laughs> 1865, free-ish, and it makes me laugh, but I still understand the sentiments behind that because in many aspects, a lot of African Americans still believe uh, some of us are not free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we're free at last, and I understand the sentiment, I believe we have experienced more freedom than ever before, but that's just me. Also, um, it's a, it's a great day because today we are celebrating the ninth anniversary of the Zero Today radio show. I am excited. Yay. Insert applause here. <laughs> I'm excited largely because I never thought that doing this show would, uh, when I started the show that it would last as long as it did. And I'm, I'm just excited because you know, when you, I, I've never been one to quit. Um, I've never been one to give up. And I'm just grateful that I have the gift of gab that I can, I can talk and run my mouth for a little bit. <laughs> uh, and I was looking at the analytics for the show. We have over 100,000 listeners um, across the world. We have people from Norway, South Africa, um, Zimbabwe, Brazil. Pakistan, uh, Saudi Arabia, and I was just looking at some of the other analytics uh, across the states here. We, we're we grateful. Thank you so much for uh, valuing what we do here and sharing, and I really appreciate it. So uh, continue to like us, uh, support us, and you can be a supporter on Patreon. You can go to Patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal and be a patron for as little as a dollar a month. 
and there you can help uh finance what we do here also you can if you want to do you don't feel comfortable with patreon then you can support us on our other platforms you can do paypal or um direct through cash app also so we just appreciate all that you do to help us and sustain this program and i I reflect on part of this is going to be a reflection show Uh, as i reflect on the the nine years that we've been doing this some of the guests that we've had have been phenomenal Uh, um, we had one guest that i think really stood out and this guest um he won the lottery seven times and not only did he win the lottery lottery seven times but he actually wrote a book on how to win the lottery <laughs> and uh when i had him on the show oh hold on let me i wanted to get his name right it just let me pull it up for a second i had it here in my notes and um not sure what I did. Not sure what I did with it just that quick. Hey, anyway, um, I had him on the show, and we had a very interest, interesting discussion because you know me being a pastor, I don't gamble. Even though I'm some, I'm in an area where there are plenty of casinos. <laughs> A whole lot of gambling going on, but I myself don't gamble. Now I ain't gonna lie; I've been to plenty of, I've been to a lot of the um, casinos in the area in South Louisiana and Mississippi. Cause for some reason, and I I don't understand for some reason, they have some of the best buffets. <laughs> they have some of the best buffets. I'm, but I'm not gonna. I, I digress. I'm not gonna. Uh, get sidetracked I'm going to stay on task going to stay on task so I've also had uh, some very uh, significant guests who are counter to um, what I promote as a Christian pastor I've I've been fortunate to have uh, Mandisa Thomas who's the president of the black uh, non-believers of America and I just invited her on the show because after I stump, accidentally stumbled upon her um, her website or an article about her or something I can't recall. But anyway, we uh, I reached out to her. We had a nice little dialogue conversation prior to coming on the show, and after uh, after getting on the show, after coming on the show, we became good friends, and I was I was fortunate to speak at her fifth anniversary event in 2016 and that 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 opened a whole new whole new uh frontier for me because you know i led to several other things that i can't get into right now but uh it it was it was wonderful experience uh sharing with her and um and i i i understand the plight of those persons uh those black persons who are wrestling with the idea of religion uh uh, religious identification, um, questioning, and there's nothing wrong with skepticism. Skepticism, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's okay to be skeptical, and I, I just believe that should you make the choice not to be a believer anymore, you still have the support of 
of your community just because you know we are humans we support each other we should find some common ground even if religion is not that common ground it's nothing wrong with that you know I don't have to agree with you to love you and to respect you as my brother my sister but I as a Christian am obligated to love you as Christ loved the church and God loves us so uh, but anyway um also had uh Cheryl Abrams on who's the author of uh, she has an author of Firing God I think that's the name of the book and she's also merged out into evaluations and I mean she's just become phenomenal um had a um Stephen uh LeBoss who is a, a relationship guru and he was on the show and, and you know when I was first doing the show um I was using just a regular old telephone and <laughs> I had I purchased a microphone a USB and the quality of it wasn't all that hot really wasn't all that hot but we we've gotten better over the years thanks to your support and uh us just learning about the business and opportunities and all this stuff that we could do better and we're we are doing better had um Susan Peabody who was she spoke about love and romance addiction and I realized that I was experiencing that <laughs> so I've had a lot of interesting guests over the years um I wish I could name them all, but you can go to, um, again, go to the Zero Network on Facebook. You can see archive shows there. You can go to uh, blogtalkradio.com slash Zero Today. You can listen to all of the archive shows from the very first one until this one. You hear them all. And also, they're all available on for download on your favorite podcast um, platform. So, we're just grateful for Grateful for that. Um, so I think that's about enough of me being nostalgic about the show. But again, we're grateful that we've been able to do the show for nine whole years. Um, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. I don't mean to be waxing poetic when I talk about how um, a wonderful ride has been. It really has been a wonderful ride and I've, I've enjoyed every moment of it. And so, you know, I, I've been trying to figure out exactly what I want to talk about on the show. I, I want to talk about the self and choice, uh, particularly the idea of being independent as well as being interdependent when we come when it comes to making choices. How 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 much it is how much how just important it is for us to be able to rely on ourselves, to know ourselves, to make our choices, but also to be able to be interdependent when we realize this, that when we realize that there are other sources that we can draw from to encourage us, empower us to make better choices and better decisions. And I wasn't sure how exactly how I wanted this to go. I've been pondering this quite a bit because um, I'm wrestling with this idea of the self uh, and independence versus the self and the interdependence that we need as community. Um, I, I was let me put it this way. Particularly as as a as an individual, you make your own decisions. You you do what you believe to be best for yourself, and 
you try to put your your needs, your desires first and foremost, and and that's there's nothing wrong with that until it becomes um, negative and infringed upon uh, the needs and wants of others that you are inclined to give care and support to. Now, I hope it doesn't sound like a like a bunch a bunch of gibberish. <laughs> it, it, it's not. Let, let me put it this way: because we are individuals, we have people we care for. You know, you may have a husband, a wife. You may have children. You may have a significant other. You may have a partner. And in my case, I, since I don't have any children of my own, I have a community of believers. You know, I pastor a church, so I have a community of believers that I must um, give most of my time to. Uh, because because that's 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 my core, <laughs> you know. That's all, those that's the community that I serve. Now, I I do not put those needs ahead of my needs. If I have a health issue, I must look after my health issue. And I know some may say you 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 go on through the pain, but I've I've learned better. You know, you don't just you you, you it's self care, and you want to put self care first. Now, when it comes to the idea of independence, so I'm going to put myself first in in the sense that I understand that putting myself first, doing self-care, is for the better of the community that I serve, the community believers that I serve. So I'm better serving them. I'm better meeting their needs. I'm better helping them, empowering them when I am in my best self. So that's the choice that I'm making. Uh, now, if I say that I'm going to put myself first just to cater to myself uh, selfish desires. So I say, well, I'm going to put myself first. So I want to live in a better house and a better community. I want to have the better vehicle. I want to have the most income or, you know, the appearance of that. Then that does not do much good. That's not for the greater good of the community. That's not for the greater good of my spouse. That's not for the greater good of anyone but myself. And it is self-serving. And therefore, it uh, creates distance within the interdependent community that I am also a part of because if I just say well I'm a preacher I'm a pastor and everything resolves around me and my wants and my desires then the community then that I'm called to serve is neglected in the sense that there's an interdependency on me so if I make the choice to be all about myself that dissonance will uh, negatively affect relationship and uh the community and likewise when with your spouse with your children and in the systems in the family systems perspective you um oh my, my phone going off uh, in the family system perspective uh again thinking as a unit a family unit um that intersectionality of needs, wants, desires, kind of like a Maslow's uh, pyramid, if you can, you know, Maslow's needs. That That is where a lot of our critical choices uh, must be, not only are they, are they made, but, you know, must be, must be thought or, or, or formula, formulated. Uh, or better way, processed. I, I think that's the better word to use, processed. Uh, the more we take in consideration uh, the interdependent relationship that we have as individual and as community, uh, as the self and as the self within the greater community, then we, we are more likely to have relationships that are vulnerable 
but also um, empowering. And that's a critical thing. I, 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 I am a proponent of those types of relationships. And I know the difficulty of uh, maintaining those. Matter of fact, creating and maintaining those types of relationships is very difficult. I, I struggle with it, and I know I'm not the only one that struggles with it because it's challenging. It's, it's, um, it's very difficult. Now, let me bring this back to the choice, the idea of choice, the self and choice. And I'm drawing from a, a Tillich, Tillich, uh, Paul Tillich. I'm drawing from his thought. Um, a lot of what I have formulated in this idea of choice and the self comes from his, his view of being, his ontological, existential ontological understanding of being. And you can get a greater understanding that if you read his book, The Courage to Be, uh, I have a copy and I encourage everybody to read it. It's, it's a hard read, but when you get to the gist of it, you understand um, the the idea of being in its simplest uh, uh, format. And you understand um, how being just the, the trying to be, <laughs> trying to be. Uh, creates a lot of anxiety, and um, that anxiety and dissonance can either draw us to the Creator or drive us away from the Creator, make us more part of community, or drive us further apart from community. And um, it, it's an interesting thing. I, but again, it's a it's a tough tough read. But in his book, in, in his book. One of the things he talks about is guilt and the courage to be, uh, the courage to accept acceptance, as he as he puts it. Um, and when we when we, from the perspective of choice, choice is it takes courage. It takes courage to make a decision, and this is something I am working on. Uh, and if I could be just tra- transparent as I can. I'm working on it. I know I, for example, in in my romantic area, in a romantic area of my life, one of the most difficult things I have is the realization that if I ever, if I want a serious romantic relationship that leads to uh, marriage, then I will have to make a choice. And it's very difficult, you know, <laughs> especially when you realize there are a lot of layers to relationships, but there's also complexity of having a a lot of options, um, you know. It's not that you don't want. It's not that you try to create it. And I know I'm getting a bit off topic here, off offset. But I'm just trying to be a little bit transparent. Is that uh, being a single male, you know, the dating pool is larger for uh, for men than it is more male. Well, some may say it's larger for women than it is for men. Or smaller for women than it is for men, but I'm I'm just saying, you know, the the ratio of women to men, especially in, in a social aspect or religious act, church aspect, you know, is, is far greater, and it puts me in a position where I could be, you know, I could play the field all I want to, and the challenge for me is, of course, uh, desiring to play the field, <laughs> you know. Play it as much as you can, as long as you can, and don't decide until you're absolutely sure or something goes absolutely wrong where you don't have a choice but to make a choice. 
I, I'm, I'm making light of it, but that's just my personal struggle. But when you, and now you can, if you if you see that, you see the anxiety that accompanies that that is attached to that choice that the 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 to make that choice rather. And in the broader sphere, um, you know, there there's some broader spheres to that. There's the there's the idea, you know, if you're part of a religious community, particularly in the church, um, what is what what is is there is the church uh, does the church have a right to place restriction constrictions on you to make certain choices? For example, if you're part of an apostolic uh, Pentecostal or anything like that, back in the day, you didn't have a choice on how you looked uh, outside of the church. You didn't wear women didn't wear makeup. Uh, they did not wear pants. And, you know, that was it. Long hair, and that was it. They did not have a choice. They were obligated because of the constrictions placed on them from their uh, religious community. And now that the uh, atmosphere has gotten much less restrictive, even within those sects, in some, some Pentecostal and apostolic sects, their um, churches, they're less restrictive. So people are coming. Women are still coming. Some of them still coming with, you know, the no makeup, long hair, unkempt kind of thing. But then there are a lot of them who say, just come as you are. And they come and less restrictive as far as hourly, but there's still the constrictive uh, the, uh, behavioral perspective. So, you know, you can come as you are, but there's still restriction on how you ought to behave inside and outside. Um, so, and, and then there's also the broader, uh, uh, church state argument that, uh, I was talking with someone earlier today, um, that is, okay, how much, how far can the state infringe upon your individual choice? In the case of, uh, I'll use the example of abortion and the, um, common, um, argument for pro-choice is it's the woman's right to choose, and the common argument for pro-life is that uh, the the child deserves to live, and God hates murder, and you know thou shalt not kill all that blah 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 whatever else they may use. So um, the the question of of choice in the restrictive sense and choice in the independent uh, sense of the self. How great is it for us to have the courage to accept the choices and the consequences of the choices, the anxiety that comes with the choice, as well as, as Tilly puts it, um, to be able to accept the guilt <laughs> or the choice. Um, how to say it again? Um, to accept the acceptance of the choice. I hope I'm making a little sense. Um, let me back back this up because going back to the individual self, uh, when Bowen, when Murray Bowen came up with the idea of differentiation of self, one of the things that he was proposing is that a highly differentiated individual has better interpersonal skills. And those interpersonal skills are driven or are derived from that that individual's ability to be fully self-aware, emotionally intelligent enough to be able to say, this is who I am, this is how I'm feeling, and therefore I'm less likely to react 
a certain way. I'm less likely to be fused or infused with someone else. So I'm able, I'm able to have a position of the, myself that is, um, that is good enough and well enough to be comfortable with the decisions that I make um, that may create whatever type of emotion um, that comes with the decision. And as, as a pastor, part of my job is to empower people to know that, okay, you make decisions that will lead to sin. And I'm talking about sin as behavior, not sin as condition. Because sin as condition, every human being, if you ascribe to that idea of, of sin from, uh, from way back in the day, you know, uh, sin as condition. Is separate in my under as as I interpret it, sin as condition versus sin as behavior. Um, so when it comes to sin as behavior, we we we're supposed to tell people, as Paul writes in Romans chapter six, should I continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, no. How can you who are dead to sin continue in it thereof? You know, um, so with from that perspective. My role is to say, look, um, conditionally, uh, as a condition, as part of humanity, you are born in sin, shaking and shaping in iniquity, and God will, you know, God understands that, and you were created, you know, in secret, secret sins, all of that. But at the same time, when it comes to behavioral sins, uh, God is as well as understanding of that because he knows from your inward parts. He knows your outward expression. He knows all of that. And he is foreaware. He has a foreknowledge, if we understand, uh, that he has a foreknowledge that you will sin. And as Paul writes, uh, or Isaiah writes, all of us have sinned. Um, we have sinned, and at our best, Paul uh, reinforces the idea of Isaiah when he said all of us have sinned. And now saying that ourselves that our best is righteousness is as filthy rags. So when it comes to the idea of the church saying um, your choice that led to a consequence will condemn you is is somewhat um, creating a, a device of divisiveness. And I'm not sure even if, if that's the right word, so y'all just excuse me on that. But it, it creates this I, this this um, this dissonance. It probably is a better word that we are not willing to engage ourselves when it comes to the fact that okay, we have been given free will to make a choice, and when we do make the choice, that the consequences of that choice may result in disenfranchisement from God. And that's, you know, that's that's hurtful, but it also reinforces the idea of the need for God to keep us from making um, unhealthy choices. But at the same time, when he gives us the free will to make a choice, does he infringe upon that if we don't? And we find uh, many, uh, many references and examples of that in Scripture. We can talk about David and Bathsheba. We could talk about Solomon and his wife, you know, all the stuff that happened to him. We could talk about Jonah as he made the decision to flee. Then he made the decision to follow uh, 
the command of God and preach repentance. And then he made the decision to be mad that he made the decision to <laughs> make the choice to, to fall in line with what God had. And he was willing to uh, beg for <laughs> for death, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So that that dissonance there um, is is it with everybody, and at the at the micro level, we have an opportunity to, to communicate with the Lord and be able to say, "Look, this is where I am. This is who I am. Uh, would you forgive me and place me back in right standing with you?" As the Scripture in John First John says, "If we confess our faults, then He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness." But at the macro level, we don't find that same um, that same thing because at the macro level, particularly when it comes to our interdependent upon each other, um, our independent interdependency upon each other, we we don't do the same thing. So we we find ourselves condemning others. We find ourselves judging others. We find ourselves placing others who have made decisions that we can see uh, the. The real, you know, the full consequence of, for example, if a if a man and a woman have sex before marriage and they the woman gets pregnant, <laughs> we can see that, <laughs> you know, and they're not married. Or if a person uh, along those same veins commits an act of crime against another person, such as murder or robbery or things like that, we can see that. But what we don't see, you know, if a man of, oh, well, some cases I guess when they're not honoring their parents or their children, anything like that. I know it, I'm stretching this out a bit because I want us to see it at a broader, in a very, very broader perspective. Um, accepting acceptance, as Tillich uh, puts it, and as I ad- adhere to, is the fact is is knowing that when you make a decision because of your individual ability to do so and the free will granted to you by the creator to do so when you make a decision then you you know you know this could be good or bad however whatever the decision may be but you learn to accept the fact that you have accepted the consequences that accompany the decision um if you allow me to be transparent again when i made the decision to get divorced it was a difficult decision. I wasn't trying to. I, I really didn't want to uh, get a divorce, primarily to save face as a as a pastor and as a Christian and all of that. Um, you know, I was ascribing to the idea that Jesus can work it out. <laughs> Won't he do it? But I also then had to do a self assert self analysis and uh, and realize that. Uh, in reality, we were both cheating ourselves because, one, we probably were not desiring the same thing from each other as we once were, and we definitely were having, uh, you know, it had gotten to the point where there was no, there was there was no solvency to the relationship, so uh, it was resolved by divorce, and and I, it took me a very long time to accept that I had made that decision. And to accept the consequences that came with the decision. Um, it took very long time. Well over a decade actually. And if you ask some people. They may say I still have not come. <laughs> accepted. <laughs> that I had to accept that decision. Um, and, and when it comes to the individual self. 
the more we are differentiated, the better we are differentiated, the better we understand our inner and the personal self, uh, intrapersonal self rather, then we are more likely to say, um, or to say that I can do better and I can be better, but I'm afraid that if I do better, it is going to require me to do more, this, 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 and sometimes we can overanalyze it. And that's just the way it is. Reality, that's just the way it is. But when you learn to accept that when you make the decision, when you make the choice, and you can accept the fact that you made the choice, you have a greater understanding and appreciation of the church, of the choice. And I think we, we miss that quite a bit um, when, as pastors, we try to empower people to do so, do things that can help them make better decisions with the reliance of Scripture, of course, the support of Scripture to do so. Tillich puts it this way. Tillich um, states that courage always involves taking a risk. And one of, one of, one of the things that I think this modern age discourages us from doing is taking real risk with, you know, our emotions or things like that. At, well, really, with self-examination, um, we don't, as, as a Christian church in particular, well, not as a Christian church, uh, as a Western Christian evangelical church, we don't really uh, put out the idea of contemplative Christianity, you know, the contemplative side of Christianity, of spirituality, the self-examination, um, and all of that, that, that component of spiritual discipline that will take the center of ourself and allow that to be examined by the divine as we engage divine the divine itself uh and, and i'm not trying to be deep please please understand I, I am not trying to be deep in spiritual or anything like that i'm just I, i'm just trying to help put it in perspective um that uh for for those of us who are, are Christians, we we really do less self examination, and it takes the risk of being willing to say that I can and I will. And uh, going back to the idea of guilt and accepting acceptance as as and, uh, again, I'm I'm drawing a lot from Paul Tillich because when I when I think about where we are today. And, you know, we see a lot of self-righteous people. We see a lot of selfish people. We don't see enough selfless people. And we are taught um, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways in, in American Christianity to focus more on the outward than the inward, more on the macro and not the micro. And because of that, we lose the full identity of self and we lose the the full courage to choose because we're we're put in this 
they were put in this this place where we have to take sides and there's no middle ground, there's no center, there's you know, there's no you either either this side or you're that side, you're this issue or that issue, you're for this person or this person, you're for this belief or that belief. And there is no really, really no middle ground. And I believe honestly that more people are actually looking for that middle ground. And and it's the same way in the church. You know, there there are a lot of persons who are looking for a church where the preacher isn't all about himself or herself and and the church isn't about uh, uh people who are only concerned about using themselves or using others for uh their benefit and they're looking for a place where they can come in and be able to say okay i i am as guilty as can be regarding my how I'm existing in this present moment, how I am living in this present moment. I'm not as comfortable as I would like to be. And I'm, I've come to this place. I come to this religious community. I come to this church. I come to this, whatever it is you're coming to so that I can find this sense of being that will not be such a strain on me. So I can find this sense of acknowledging the guilt of what I done or who I am or what I'm doing without escaping the reality of all of it. You know, uh, and part of part of this this contemporary world that we live in is the idea that we can escape. It's a it's a lot of nostalgic regression. There's a lot of nostalgic uh escapism going on and in the church, out of the church where we're we're seeing our choices that we make not reflect who we are or who we believe ourselves to be, but we're seeing it reflect who we think someone else wants us to be. And I just want you to think about that for a second. You know, we're, we, we live our life, uh, we are living, or it's coming across from my perspective that a lot of people are living their life based on what they believe somebody else wants them to be, expects of them, or how they should be. And for a long time, that was the purpose of the church. The church defined how a person should be, uh, 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 is, or anything like that, you know. And I go back to the idea, and I, just, and I use that, the uh, community of the apostolic tradition and things like that. But it actually, you know, you can go back to the... Um, as far as the first and second century church, and when you 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 get this idea, even in Paul in his writings, when he was addressing uh, the church at Corinth in his first first letter to them, and he was saying, "Look, this is how you should be. This is who you should be. This this is what you ought to be looking like and behaving like and interacting like with each other." And if someone falls out of that perspective and out of that spectrum of of community that I believe you, I've established for you, then, you know, you know, disassociate yourself from them. And that, that practice continued for a long time. <laughs> and in some cases it still continues. But anyway, I, I think it's just heightened even more now because there's this hyper visualization of what a community should look like. And if you're a little more progressive or liberal, you believe a community look should look like what anybody wants it to look like. You know, what anybody wants it to be, that should be. However they choose to identify without any sense of guilt for being how they choose to identify. <laughs> and if you don't uh, agree with that, then, you know, you're wrong and you're full of hate or you're, you know, a, a phobic of whatever kind you want to be. <laughs> Insert preface phobic you know whatever phobic you are homophobic transphobic uh baby phobic i don't even know if that's a word but but 
because this has been hypersensitivized, sensationalized, and the idea of what the individual self, our ourself, how we who we are authentically is really lost. So we we may be saying I want to be my authentic self, but that self is being defined by something else or someone else or uh, a community, a broader community that in and itself has no real true identity, and the guilt that is associated with wanting to be. The individual self, the choice, you know, you know, maybe I, I got off too far on a tangent there, but I, I hope you got the idea what I, what I was trying to say. Um, we are living in a world now where people are really, really trying to grasp the idea of who they are. They're trying to grasp the idea of who they should be. In community, and it's it's a very it's a very challenging thing when the sense of community first comes from the sense of self. Um, I, I go back to um, oh boy, what's the guy's name? Uh, M. Scott Peck. He wrote a book. He wrote a book called. Um, different drama and in that in that book he talks about the idea of community what community should look like how to build a community and it 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 begins with the individual the individual makes the choice to engage and interact with someone outside of him or herself and that choice to interact with someone outside him or herself and engage with that Individual or someone in, outside him or herself creates the ability for them to form community. And in the church lingo, we say, where two or three are gathered in my name, and you know, there I will be in the midst. If you take that same idea and you say, okay, uh, you, you couple it with the, the idea that there's the, the choice, there's the micro level of the church choice and there's the macro level of the church their choice but there's the interdependency that accompanies all of that so um so making uh, uh having the courage to say okay i'm making this decision and this decision is not just going to affect me but it's going to affect the broader community in a ripple maybe not in a in a great way but Possibly even a ripple effect, you know. Um, I can't remember. There's a particular scientific theory that accompanies that, and I'm not even going to get into that. But the fact that we now understand that we have an ability to choose. And, and, and let me bring some political things. I, I'm a proponent. I, I'm what you consider, can be considered as a classical liberal in the sense that uh, I believe in individual rights. And I believe that the state should not and must not and cannot infringe upon individual liberties. So uh, when I see states, particularly most recently these states passing laws that infringe upon uh, individual liberty, be that religious liberty, be that um, sexual liberty, or be that uh, reproductive liberty, however you want to define all of those, my greatest concern is that they're taking choice away from the individual 
And whenever the state takes away choice from the individual, that state then becomes theocracy that takes the place of God. And I don't think people who are voting in this in this way, legislators who are voting in this way, and and uh, their constituents who support votes in that way see it that way because largely they're thinking, well. I'm religious and I believe this and this is the way it should be because the Bible says so or the Quran says so or our religious scripture says so. And if it takes away from the individual liberty, in my opinion, it nullifies those religious perspectives. It nullifies those things. Paul even talks about that. You know, the law was not to uh, to be, uh, you know, the law was our disciplinary in, in Galatians. I think around chapter three, he talks about this, you know, the law was our disciplinary and the, the whole purpose of the law was for us to understand good from wrong, right from wrong, good from evil and how we ought to behave, how we ought not to behave and things of that nature. But when Jesus Christ comes, if those of us who are Christians, uh, fulfilling the law, then now we are no longer, uh, strict adherence to that system of discipline. We're not strict adherence to that legal ramifications thereof, but now we are all free because of, you know, the fulfillment of the law, and now we are all adopted sons of God. And I think they miss that, and because they miss that, uh, they try to replace that, and then there's a lot of dissonance that is further created, and the identity. The idea of choice is further removed because the state is saying, we know what's best for you. You don't. That's dangerous to me. That's really dangerous to me. Um, I, I believe the fact that as we make a choice, we, we have to, we will wrestle with the, the, the risk and the consequences that come with that. And that's okay. Uh, but we also must be aware that we have the ability to make the choice. And it's a it's a great thing to be able to recognize that and realize that and to actualize it. And eventually, you know, the 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 more you examine yourself, the more you become self-differentiated, the better you're able to interact with your own self and then interact with those outside of you. You create the community that you desire, that we all desire. And that's the way I believe our world should be. I'm glad to be a part of this world. We all wrestle. We all wrestle with uh, what we want it to look like. We all wrestle with what we want ourselves to look like. And that will take a lifetime before we even achieve it, if we ever do. But the, I, the good thing is that we have the ability to do so. The Lord created us with the ability to do that. And no matter how hard the wrestle may be, the fight may be, just Realize every day you get a new opportunity to try it again, to start over, to make better decisions. And you may have the guilt that comes with accepting acceptance, but that's just a wonderful thing to know that you have that ability to do so. Well, I thank you for tuning in with me today and uh, celebrating nine years. I appreciate it. Um, I, I'm grateful for again for all of your support. I want to... Uh, Put this plug in if you have not done so. I want to invite you to order your copy of my latest book, Reflections from the Pastor's Study. 
and you can that's available on Amazon.com, both as a Kindle book for five ninety nine and as paperback for fifteen dollars. Or you can also go to my website and you get it. And if you go to the website, there's a special that's going on. You can get uh, the that book as well as the uh, A Breach in the Family for twenty five dollars, and that's a wonderful deal I'm offering. Uh, Keep can. Uh, continue uh, to tune in as we do more. We'll be expanding more. I appreciate you so much. Um, we're trying to uh, do better and make the show great. It's been nine wonderful years, and hopefully we'll have many, many more to come. So we appreciate all you do. Again, if you want to support us, you can support us by going to Patreon and becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month, and um, you can get some wonderful things. You'll be able to see things that are not posted on my website or on my Facebook page, but posted strictly to the Patreon site. But also check out my website, LorenzoTenio.com. We're going to update. I keep saying we're going to update. We're, we're going to update that. We're going to make it better. But I appreciate you for tuning in. I am grateful to you and for all that you do. You Lord, the, yeah, the Lord knows I love you greatly. Thank you so much. Take care.